this week on Revenue Uncoded. We discuss CRM, contact centers, how they are evolving new technology, integration across your BSS OSS platforms, how does it impact your bottom line, and what are the challenges and pitfalls of integrating some of this new technology. We'll be joined by Carlos Vasconcelos and Alvaro Mafi, both industry experts, to hear their opinions and their ideas and goals as we discuss the next piece of Revenue Uncoded. Welcome well, to Revenue Uncoded. Welcome to Revenue Uncoded, Brian. It's uh, we're still wearing the same matching outfits today. The memo, so we have the same shirts on. This is not planned. It just happens organically. It happened, yeah. And I believe, uh, if I'm correct, um, the Kansas City Chiefs are still the world champions. Yes, they are. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, I don't care because they're they're not Chiefs fans. Uh, Alvaro might have a little one. So. So fan, and there we go. So, so I think. Uh, why don't we do that? Well, let's segue. We've got two new guests today. We have from Europe, from Portugal, uh, our friend Carlos. Carlos uh, is uh, is a marketing savant, and has been uh, in and around call centers and contact centers for quite some time, and been around telecom and understands billing. So, Carlos, say hello and welcome to Revenue Uncoded. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. It's a good pleasure to, to exchange some ideas and learning from you guys. There we go. I love it. And our second guest is uh, someone that uh, we work with, and we wanted to kind of bring him on here because um, his background in CRM. And um, I'm, I'm going to let you do just a quick thumbnail on, on this, but, but the quick intro is Alvaro is a good friend of mine. Um, and uh, lives in Florida uh, via uh, Venezuela, I believe, right? Originally. Yes, correct. And, uh, but he has been in the CRM space for quite some time and has familiarity with three of the very large systems out there in the space. Um, and when we were looking for a partner to work with, I wanted someone who had an integrator background of which uh, Alvaro and his team does. So Alvaro, welcome to Revenue Uncoded. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'll be glad to share my experience uh, with everyone. I got a first question. Well, wait, should we frame what we're talking about today? We're talking about CRM. We're yes. talking about contact centers. Yes. We're talking about integration of those within your systems. Yes. Your positives and negatives that you want to take a take a look at when you're going to do mm -hmm. these projects, CRM, mm -hmm. contact space, mm -hmm. et cetera. And then the other things that may pop up during the course of the conversation. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And, and I'm going to let him throw the first question out. But the way that I kind of look at this is, you know, you've got your back office, you know, your BSS and your OSS and your network elements that we all have to kind of talk with. But these guys are the ones that have to put on the smile and have to do the customer experience and have to kind of interface with that actual customer. We're we're back office guys, right? You know, so so we don't have to be we don't have to look pretty, which I certainly don't, and he doesn't. Uh, but, but, but we don't have to look pretty, right? So these are the pretty boys of of Telco IT stack, is what I'm calling it. Okay, well, that's right? good. <laughs> so, so I have a first question: If you were to describe the differences between a CRM and a contact center centric software, 
So there's two sorts of things. They both kind of have a little bit of an overlap in my mind, which is why I'm asking for an explanation between the differences between those two. Okay, so uh, maybe we take a step back and we describe the differences between a traditional call center and a contact center. Okay, so call center, as the name says, is just about calls. The moment we start integrating other channels, which nowadays happens pretty much everywhere, such as uh, email or chat or web forms or interactive voice response, what we call an IVR, which stands for, hello, welcome, press one for this, for that. So the moment you bundle all of those in, you are in a contact center territory. A contact center without a CRM is usually like a, a wild horse. It has no big purpose. Yeah. So the CRM kind of drives the ongoing activities on a contact center the same way a rider would, would, would ride a horse. So uh, let me give you an example. Imagine I'm an, an agent working for a contact center. If I get an incoming call or email, it just pops out without any previous interaction history. If I have a, a CRM bundled in, I will immediately identify this customer if it's from an, a known number or from a validated email address, and I will pop up the, let's say, customer history. I will also pop up maybe ongoing activities with these customers, such, such as an open ticket or past purchases that he might have done or pending invoices. So the CRM is actually the brain of the front end of a contact center. They are actually on the, on the front line. And if you look at it as layers, you have the CRM, which is customer facing. And then the contact center itself is kind of a little bit of a middleware between the CRM and what you guys described as the, the backbone of the BSS OSS. So the contact center sits a little bit in the middle. Excellent. Yeah, over to you, Alvaro. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. You, I think you nailed it. Uh, but we also are seeing where those boundaries are starting to fade across systems. And as Bill and the rest of the, the speakers were, were talking, those integrations start being seamless. And, and I think that boundaries for CRM, contact center, BSS, OSS are starting to dilute and they start becoming one big system that has different parts. And I think that the CRM industry itself, it's dramatically transforming. Uh, but I wonder, has it, hasn't it always been dramatically transforming into uh, allowing multiple applications and multiple systems to come together within the CRM, providing intelligence, providing all sorts of information and all sorts of truth into one big system? That's, that's what I'm seeing. And that's and whether that's Albert, whether whether that's existing customers or prospects, right? Because one of the things that we were talking about the other day is is that that marriage and that orchestration that happens between the BSS OSS network elements, contact center, and our CRM is now kind of also reaching out into social channels for both existing customers and prospects, right? So that. So they were gaining more and more information about existing customers out in the ether, so we speak, right? Is that in a, is that what you're seeing, Alvaro, or am I after Absolutely, Mark? absolutely. Even even uh, CRM system 
systems, migrating to also managing people within the organization. Those are another shifts that, that will probably come into play. Uh, everything that's bundled or, or manages people, that's what the CRM is going to be for. Cool. All right. So those are, those are things. That, and, and, and we see also that it's a growing industry. And there's a big, big trend. It, it's growing at, at about a 12% rate year by year. So the CRM space in and of itself. CRM. CRM mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And I think CRM's here to stay. So I, I, but, and, and I don't mean to beat a horse, but, but I'm really, one of the things that, that I've really been um, impressed with uh, Alvaro's group is, is, is that social media interaction, right? And you're taking the stack of a, of a carrier's core systems and reaching out, right? So, so, so what are the things, what, what are the things that you're seeing that people either are, are using, how are they using the social media channels, you know, on a prospecting basis and on kind of a getting to know more about their existing customers? What, any, any insights or any knowledge there? No, absolutely. I think that prospects and customers blend to a point in, in terms of data where you have data from prospects and customers. You have more data, of course, on customers because you, you, you acquire more data from those customers. But, but I think that that bears also blending in where you have systems that integrate and provide information for customers and also for those interested people in your services. Uh, and I think that's key. And we're seeing a lot of interactions from AI. That's something that we're probably going to talk later on. Uh, also, integration of Internet of Things and how those uh, components come into play. Uh, and in the social space, how we harvest information from customers even before they are customers and the flow of that information within the organization as they be become prospects and then customers and being customers. And those interactions being brought into one system, one big, big data warehouse of, of interactions mm -hmm. between people on the company, customers, and also interested uh, people. Mm -hmm. and, and that handoff, by the way, between prospect to customer, Everybody just thinks there's a magic button. Oh, there you go. It just hands off. Uh, not so much, right? I mean, so so from a CRM to the BSS uh, and the contacts and all of those all of those front end entrances, right? And that handoff, um, it, it may seem seamless, but there's you know there's a reasonable level of orchestration that, that has to happen from a system integration perspective. Well, let me jump in on that if I can. Fit me. Um, when you mentioned social media, um, actually contact centers play a very critical role in the routing of social media interactions. So there is two ways, basically two ways a contact center looks at a generic social media interaction. Either it's real time, an example, you as a customer go to a chat, maybe using Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or any other types of uh, real time, and you are behind that social network using a chat and you are expecting a real time session with an agent on that particular channel where you are engaging, Facebook, whatever. That is real time. That is one part of the problem. Then you have another 
stack of interactions that happen when people just go to social media and they start posting. Like, I had a terrible experience with my cable operator. I claimed my internet speed was low. They came here three times. It's still low speed. But you are not directly addressing the cable operator. You are just venting out your thoughts. Now, there's an ethical question here. Should the cable operator join that conversation and say something like, we are sorry to hear about your situation. Uh, we can provide you with some kind of troubleshooting. Please provide us more details either here or on a... Yeah. So what a contact center usually does, we have the tools to identify promoters, neutrals, and detractors out of the, out of the crowd. But there must be taken a decision that's a human decision if we should engage or not in those conversations. And usually there's a, a data privacy line there to be crossed oh. because you're actually taking part of a conversation where you were not invited to. It's a data privacy and it's also a business decision on, on how that enterprise or that telco provider chooses to participate in high touch or high automation TLC, right? You're also processing unstructured data from a data processing perspective with chats and posts, et cetera. So you're, you know, to the point of the data privacy issue, how far could you deep dive into somebody's conversation, as Carlos had uh, pointed out, that you're not invited to? So there's specific legal ramifications depending on what market you're in or country or Mm -hmm. what have you, that you need to take into play, which is like different if you have a uh, a site of your own for your business that takes unstructured data, but people have opted in, at least in the U.S. from from our perspective. Yeah. yeah. And you opted in, you can go in. If if I say I absolutely hate your service, your, you know, your, your tech showed up and, and wore a hat I don't like, uh, whatever the case may be, you can engage back as, a, 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 as part of your customer service experience with that. And with that thought, me back to that thought of what you mentioned earlier, Carlos, is the uh, the somewhat the blurring of the lines now between your contact center, which is has more technical uh, strength usually behind it and what it's able to to look and access in the traditional world, versus the CRM, which interacts with that customer, takes those calls, uh, holds that information up. So, as as people are are thinking about adjusting how they handle their contact center, their uh, call center, and their CRM. These items you're bringing up here are very important for them to be able to kind of put their hands around why this has changed. The traditional set of, I've got a call center they call in, hey, it's like a level one support call. I can do it. We're great. We're done. If not, I need to send you over to somebody else. And that goes to another group and another group. So that gets really, uh, you know, it's inefficient and expensive. So yeah. as you walk through those processes, what other uh, sort of advice would you give before we jump into a couple of the other items, at least in my mind, we go anywhere we want, like AI and yeah. OT and all that stuff, for people to be uh, cognizant of and to think about when they're going to make these decisions moving forward? Because some of these can be really uh, expensive endeavors, especially if you don't do it right. So I think the, I, I would say the silver bullet is the ability for these systems to be flexibly integrated, okay? It's not hard-coded integration, but it's a flexible integration between these systems. Now, I've seen in the past many RFPs 
tenders, either public or private tenders, where clearly they were trying to check all the boxes. We want a call, a call center, we want a CRM, we want a, a billing platform, but there was no actual concern about how deeply integrated these systems were. Now, nowadays, people are aware of the need for these systems to actually communicate and pass what we call data bags or information between them. So like you mentioned, um, Brian, I want to keep context. If I'm uh, at the contact center or the CRM level, I want to keep context independently of the channel being used. It could start by an email and then upgrade it to a chat and then upgrade it to a voice call or even a video call with screen sharing. And there may be weeks between these interactions, but we need to keep context. Yeah. And we need to pull data for, from billing platforms in order to properly assist these customers. So we need them, these systems to be flexibly integrated so that the information flows easily. Over to you, Albert. Yeah, uh, that that's absolutely true. Uh, I was as we were talking. Uh, I remember an experience. Uh, I think at the end of the day, customers want to be heard, and I think that their opinion needs to be heard and needs to be addressed. There was a there, there was a case that I that I studied back in the nineties for Movistar. This was a big telecom company. It was later acquired by Telefonica. Uh, where there was an experience in social networks. They, they were having a lot of issues. And what they did, the president of Movistar for that time, he made public his handle for Twitter. Oh. So everybody could address directly the president of Movistar. And they were complaining. And that was a big CRM play oh. where he could be addressed directly. And then uh, the, the messages came down to CRM and were handled by the rest of the team. So that was a big play. I think at the end of the game, as you're saying, customers need to be heard and their opinion should be heard by somebody or at least have the illusion that their opinion is being heard. So different systems need to manage those communications and how we do it nowadays, I think it's going to change or it's going to shape the industry at the end of the day. It doesn't have that much relationship with what we're talking about, but I think that was a key point in terms of focusing uh, the discussion in terms of what customers want, uh, ultimately, for the telecom company or, or any other company. Cool. Um, just quick sidebar. I had a customer in Lawrence, Kansas. They had a customer. They used Facebook for all of their customer trouble ticketing. Now that was probably ten or twelve years ago. They were, and they were, they had a reputation for being an innovator in the space. I, I don't think I would recommend that, you know, from a you know, capture and from a travel ticket process perspective. But it was an interesting, uh, you know, early stage social media use of of the technology. So, and, and the processing of that unstructured data using something you know people are normally used to using a transactional method of recording mm -hmm. questions, answers, incidents, and things like that. So mm -hmm. when you start talking in today's world with the APIs and the interactions between the different layers within your infrastructure to support all the way from CRM all the way down to provisioning, for example, mm -hmm. each one of those has to be well thought out and flexible. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, obviously over time, that becomes that linchpin that you can't do anything else until you fix this. 
but it's, you know, it's step 12 in the integration path. Mm-hmm. So all, all that flexibility uh, needs to expand because we saw that uh, 10, 10, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. the, the need for that to start to build up with your example there. That's pretty interesting as information, how it it's morphed its way over the years, but flexibility, mm-hmm. you know, APIs. Well, let's, oh, oh APIs. So let, let's go back to data privacy right, before we jump on to AI and all that stuff. So data privacy, um, Carlos, you talked about that. Um, yep. And, um, you know, what, what I think about on the cable side is that there, it got to a point where people were so concerned about privacy, there was a, a law passed. I think it was Graham Rudman. I can't remember what it was, in the United States, where, in effect, they were, you know, uh, providers were, were looking at your data patterns and, and kind of then coming up with, you know, targeted promotions toward mm-hmm. you, right? And you know, some of those, you know, maybe uh, maybe late night viewing, you know, Swedish fly girls or something like that, where you get a promo for something may not be the best thing from a uh, privacy perspective, right? And that, so then what happened was through deep packet inspection, uh, there was a lot of anonymization of data from a marketing and from a interaction perspective. And that all kind of came from data privacy, mm-hmm. right? Or or the abuse thereof. So so I you know, I'm when I think about data privacy, so I'm I'm just kind of curious, how does data privacy either impact the CRM world or contact center world? And and you know, why is it a why is it a, a reasonable variable that it's a big know, deal. All right. It's a big deal. Um, data privacy nowadays, I think we take it too serious. Um, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, if an insurance company would request access to the telemetry of your vehicle to provide you with a better insurance, namely, which places do you drive? What times of the day do you usually drive? How fast do you drive? How hard do you brake? If you provide that information to an insurance company in order to get a better uh, insurance policy, would that be okay to you or not? It would be totally okay to me. I think it's a personal decision at the end of the day, but I think people take it too seriously. Oh, they're going to know where I'm going. So what? Yeah. Now, let's talk about call centers, contact centers. Uh, We had a project with a university which was about affinity matching where we were trying to pair the best skilled agent with the customer that was on the other side of the line or of the chat session. So we had a couple of uh, KPIs, such as uh, this customer's uh, location, uh, was his sex, his age, his, uh, what kind of uh, public information do we have about him, like his hobbies or any kind of preferences. And we were trying to map Imagine a 45-year-old in IT with an agent that is compatible with their profile. At the same time, we would pair a millennium, a millennial with a similar profiled agent. That was a university project. And the goal was, at the end of the day, to provide better experiences, both for the customer, but also for the agent. Because if the agent is well-motivated, then you will do a better job and maybe get a higher satisfaction score. And we reached out to several of our customers, and this project hit the data privacy wall. 
uh, both from the customer privacy, we could not access customer profiles, but also from an agent privacy, where the existing workers of an actual contact center would need to sign a kind of a statement allowing for their uh, profile to be shared with the tool. <clears throat> and nobody wanted to share that. So if we look at the projects that are happening in the world right now, and we mentioned in the introduction about this uh, upcoming city in Saudi Arabia called The Line, the line. where they are all about eliminating friction. It's a 100-mile line in the middle of the desert where the claim is anything that you need will be five minutes away from where you are, like a supermarket or a school or a doctor or a delivery of a parcel. If you fly over to the line, eventually your, your luggage will arrive to the hotel where you are staying before you do. So you check in, you open the door, and the luggage is there. That's their bold claim. For that to be more possible, you need to open up data privacy a lot. I'm a big fan of that, by the way. I have no issues with data privacy. I can easily opt out of uh, email marketing or whatever, so I'm, I'm comfortable. But I do understand the problem. Yeah, and so it's, it's just in, you know, whether or not it's opt-in or opt-out and whether or not tools like anonymization of data, you know, really apply for those who don't opt-in, right, you know. Yeah, other industries, HIPAA and all this kind of stuff. It's all security. It's all private stuff. I, I'm with you, Carlos. Um, I think um, I think uh, we're we're being monitored, not Big Brother government stuff, but just through all of our transactions on our phone or on our uh, set top box or whatever. Um, that 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 information about you is already in the domain, right? Yep. So. I wanted to jump in because there's a there's another uh, view of uh, data and is where that data is located in terms of what the government can access or cannot access the data. And we've seen some customers that will want to have their data located outside of the U.S. in terms of the government being able to access and view that data based on the Patriot Act. So, so that, those are another types of concerns in a different perspective from the company perspective more than the customer perspective. So I think that's another another thing that that will manage where the information is going to be located or is going to shape where the, the, the servers and the information is located based on this type of laws. That is something that we're also seeing in some customers. And then the flip side to that is your uh, kind of your risk factor as a as a provider of CRM services or contact centers, et cetera, that you must make sure that you maintain, according to the law, that level of privacy, opt-in, opt-out. Uh, in many instances, there's some pretty hefty fines, depending on which industry you're in, uh, regarding breaches of uh, private privacy data. Uh, telecom here in the U.S., there's a whole lot of uh, information about that, as Alvaro was bringing up. So that's another, That's one more item is not just can you do it, but what's the risk factor? If you do do this, you need to make sure you understand those uh, privacy implications and potential risks to your business uh, as, as you move forward with utilizing more and more information. Because as we know, uh, our phones, everything, that the amount of information that's available at a real-time level today is is unbelievable compared to what it was just five years ago. 
So that fire hose of data out there surfaces these issues up to people that are looking to uh, possibly update CRMs, upgrade their, their back offices, et cetera, that they all flow together and it winds up in the same place. Just make sure it's not a nightmare. There you go. So that's uh, that's a little bit about the data privacy world. Let's maybe let's shift gears. Yeah, let's go over to the really the, the giant elephant in the room now, which is the AI, the uh, unstructured. We've already touched on Brian. Uh, am, am I real? Am I real or am I AI right now? Uh, you, you sir, are fake. <laughs> I've, I've seen it for years. <laughs> but the reality of it is, is uh, with artificial intelligence today, you're seeing this. It's just exploding on uh, everyone's minds because anybody can go in and use some of these uh, AI tools like ChatGPT or uh, from the Dolly, uh, et cetera, to do anything from art to uh, format letters and conversations and things. And then when you start thinking about that, integrating that into your CRM content center, your BSS, OSS integration paths all the way across your uh, your business – Wow, there's a lot of neat stuff there. Um, one of the fun things that I've seen so far is that while AI does some amazing things, it makes some amazing errors uh, at times. So you have to be very careful. So we're not, I don't think we're at the point of uh, unfettered AI robots taking over things. But what are your guys' thoughts on uh, how you see the AI world expanding within our, our domain spaces of contact centers, uh, call centers, the CRM, uh, all of it. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, for, for call centers, contact centers, AI is huge. Okay. You have the tip of the iceberg, which are the bots, chat bots, and now vocal bots. Everybody knows uh, what it is. Um, I think any uh, complex, medium to complex uh, contact center will have a decision to take which is, should we keep customers waiting or should we present them with an immediate AI, AI option immediately available? So imagine you have a customer with a request online. You know that your most skilled agents are busy right now. What decision do you take? Do you hand him over to a vocal bot where he can try to self-service his problem? Maybe get a little bit of frustration or do you uh, do you wait? You keep him on a line waiting for a human agent. Our take is that there is a balance. Okay, put this person with a bot, and the moment you have an available agent, you hand it off to the human agent. So it is the right balance between AI and human. But let's take a deeper dive uh, into the tip of the iceberg. Let's go in deeper waters. Let's talk about. Um, the, the score that you can take out of a recording. Okay, imagine you have not one recording, but terabytes and terabytes of call recordings. Okay. Now, an AI tool can very easily scan those recordings and get what we call a customer score. Was this customer happy with this call at the end of the call or not? And how do you measure that? You measure by the tone of voice, you measure by certain words that were said, and you measure ultimately by the, the NPX index or the net promoting score index that the customer gave. So you have all of that data, but it's not humanly possible to go over terabytes and terabytes of recordings. 
So you put a, a bot scanning those recordings. There will be outliers. Okay, you immediately know which strategies are working for customer satisfaction and which strategies are dragging your 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 NPS and other KPIs down. Okay. Cool. Now, these tools, they actually work like a baby. They learn much better by the so-called outliers. So when a baby falls or when a baby has everybody clapping, this is the moments that actually impact him. It's when something abnormal happens. When he falls, he, he gets a negative situation. He learns from that. When everybody's cheering, he, he gets a positive situation and he learns from that. AI tools are a bit like that. If they find a big, if they stumble upon a big mistake, you will tell them, hey, Mr. Bot, that's not the way. You've, you have uh, totally messed up your learning of this call. You will not do the same mistake again. And if you actually reinforce him, you did a great job in assessing this call or this email or spot on, you will actually also learn from that. All of the others, the other calls that are non-monitored, that those will be an issue. You will need to train. And then there's a language barrier. You guys are very versed in English, but as you are aware, uh, there are uh, other languages uh, out there. Of other languages <laughs> out there. And uh, how well do these, do these bots perform in other languages? This is critical. Yeah. Mm. So I don't think we are there just now for multi-language, multi-territory coverage, but we have solid use cases, especially for English, US, UK, um, and even some Portuguese, Spanish um, in some curated uh Cases, man, I had no idea about the call, the the context center call center use of AI. It sounds like it's been there for a while, and it sounds like it's it's really applicable for mass volumes of data and consumption. You know, in rapid uh, ability to kind of aggregate and separate, but then at the same time, it's still at the stage where you don't want to lean on it all inclusively, and you want to be able to, to inject that that human element. All right. You can do a lot of A-B testing. You can do a campaign and then see what's the outcome. And you can put a, an AI tool scanning the call recordings of campaign A and campaign B and seeing which one has the best outcome. Cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, uh, Carlos hit the nail again in the head. Uh, I think that AI would be crucial for determining high-priority requests, classify those requests, and understand sentiment. That's, I, I've been working a little bit on my free time on the sentiment. What do you mean yeah. by sentiment? The feeling of the person, is he mad? Is he happy? Huh. Is he, that? that's what I mean by sentiment yeah. in terms yeah. of how that person feels. Mm -hmm. And I've been playing a little bit with chat GPT and I, I blew up some, some examples. So I, I, I just wrote in, Hey, give me some CRM punchlines. And the the system gave me, know your customer better than they know themselves with CRM, stuff like that. And I then, okay, make them smashing. And the system gave me back, revolutionize the way you do business and blow away the competition with game changer power, with a game changing power of CRM. So one of the most interesting of these chat tools is their, I mean, chat tools and AI is the ability to understand sentiment or feelings 
mm-hmm. and providing. So that's, I think we're going to get to the point. We're not there yet, as Carlos says, but we're going to get to the point where the customer's not going to know if he's talking to an AI agent or a real agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like the, the, the movie, I think we were talking about it and I, and I made, a, made a comment about it. It was Blade Runner Blade. in 1982 yeah. with Harrison Ford. Be, these robots came, became rogue and they started killing people. Yeah. And the only way to find out if they were robots or not was the way their iris changed in terms of sentiment when they talked to them about something. But I think they missed that, they missed that take because now the, the, this AI technology is really good on... Uh, providing sentiment or, or or making you think that they're happy, they're mad, etc. So, so that's something that that I also saw in some examples of chat. I, I never thought about the sentiment side. Is is there anything else on the CRM side where you're seeing uh, adoption of AI into into the technology? Because what when I think about um, a carrier or I think about an enterprise company. I'm sure they're all kind of looking at AI with you know massive anticipation, and there's elements or or phased uh, adoption of the technology already, right? And whether it's chatbot or or other variables, but 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 on the CRM side, man, do you, do you see any other any other uses of AI? And well, I think that CRM companies are really focusing there and they're trying to bring the game there mm-hmm. for adoption is something that's uh, easier said than done as mm-hmm. Carlos was talking about it. But I think that CRM companies have, are pushing innovation into a- AI specifically for forecasting, for customer churn reduction, uh, identifying sales, predicting sales also, mm-hmm. data cleaning, that, that's one big thing. Uh, many CRM platforms now are expanding not only on CRM products, but other data cleansing and you know data entry, uh, using AI for data entry, providing, for, for example, you're, you're looking at a database and it will show you immediately trends on that database in terms of how the data or the quality of the data within the database. So I think that's that's where the major companies are going. I don't know, if Carlos, if you... Yeah, something called NBA, not your NBA, but something called next best action. Mm-hmm. Next best action is something that a, an AI tool can recommend to the agent. Imagine I'm a customer. I call my cable operator and say, guys, it was a two-year journey with you guys, but I'm moving on to another operator. And there's a... There's a script that the guy on the other side is going to run to try and convince me, but I'm running him out of options. The AI tool can jump in with something called the NBA and actually recommend the human agent a course of action, which is the next best action. This is valid in any kind of situation. Even if I'm uh, trying to solve a complex ticket and the agent is kind of guiding me into a, a list of uh, troubleshooting actions that I should do, we get to the end of that list, the agent says, okay, I'm going to escalate your ticket. No, the AI engine can jump in and say, try this NBA, try this, okay? So it's something that we are seeing more and more. It's a combination of the human skill set with the data knowledge that an AI tool can have 
and recommending those to the agent. Very the agent can then decide either I will take that NBA or not, but it was suggested by the machine. Very so, cool. All right, so I've, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift again here. So topic is, of the show, revenue uncoded. How to make more money or how to save money, right? So when I look at two industry practitioners, right, on the contact center and on the CRM side, right? Let's just say, how does CRM make you more money, right? What, what are the lessons learned from your career, right, on how you make more money through, you know, a good CRM that needs to do X, Y, Z, that needs to adapt, blah, blah, blah. Let, let's, let's start with the make money on both sides. Alvaro, I'm going to start with you. What what have you seen in your CRM career working with three different systems, you know, that, that people fail when they deploy them or they don't do it right, you know, whatever. What, what do you think, man? How do they make more money with a good CRM? Well, one of the things that I see that I see failing is not having the ability or the teams to use the data that's being produced within the CRM or not doing it effectively. Effectively. Uh, one of the big game changers is the, the company's or the telecom company ability to use that data, manage that data, and have enough people uh, to use that resource correctly. Uh, integration problems uh, or integration defects and their ability to uh, unite many systems mm -hmm. uh, correctly integrated. Mm -hmm. And in many, many companies that I've seen, their inability that, that will not make money, their inability uh, for agents to within the CRM do most of the things that they need to do in terms of not, not having to go back and forth from one system to other. And I'm talking about really, really, really large companies where they don't have the ability to do many things within the CRM and they have to swivel chair. So the, from they're, one. they're yeah. swivel chair because of just legacy solutions that are kind of, um, you know, that, that don't necessarily have a tremendous amount of functionality, right? They're, they're big, strong systems that do one thing well, but bouncing back and forth between order entry and then backing over here, back and forth. So, right? So, so just legacy handcuffs is what I kind of hear, right? All right. Fair enough. And also man management inability to understand how much money is costing them going from one system to the other. Mm -hmm. And even though that systems are able to integrate, uh, they see it, say they see it as a huge, huge project and a big, big hurdle. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's mostly management's inability to see how much they're wasting uh, on the agents being back and forth from one system to another. Cool. All right. Let's switch it over to Carlos. How about you, brother? Yeah. So the call centers are uh, very data-driven, contact centers data-driven. You can accurately tell in each campaign or each service that you are running, uh, whether you are making money, losing money, are you improving your KPIs or, or degrading them? Uh, examples of KPIs that we track, uh, average handling time. So that is the duration of a call. First call resolution, meaning how many times does a customer need to call to see his problem solved? Um, net promoting score. So these are, when you look at an inbound operation, like a customer support or a hotline, you want to try to do, do reduce the average handling time and provide accurate, immediate solutions. So ultimately, you will free up agents to do sales 
And I've seen that movement happen a lot. If you get a properly managed contact center, you will free up inbound agents and you can allocate them to outbound sales operations. And then that's a different beast there. Usually in outbound, we are talking about predictive dialers. Predictive dialers, the best example is like uh, overbooking an airplane. In overbooking an airplane, you are selling more tickets than the number of seats the plane has. Predictive dialing does that. You are doing more calls than your current available agents. So imagine we are now four people here on this webinar. Um, a predictive dialer would do eight calls for us or 12 calls. Why? Because in average, not all of them will be answered by a customer on the other side. So in order to keep us busy, the, the outbound dialer will actually start making more calls than the available capacity. If we have more agents available, you will have more capacity. You will ultimately be more active doing sales. Yeah. So there's a linear curve uh, or a linear line, if I can say it, between how properly uh, you are managing your contact center and the revenues you are getting out of it. You just have to look at the KPIs in front of you. Yeah. Cool. We have a Portuguese saying that uh, man, maybe you guys also have it, in which there are no favorable wins for the sailor that does not set a course. Yeah. So if you're just drifting and you have no KPIs in front of you, you will never get tailwinds. Yeah. yeah. That's the meaning of this. Yeah. I liked your point about the integration between the human side of, the, of an agent in conjunction with the advanced tools now and the extra help you can get from the AI side. So as, as you were explaining that process, that seemed to make a lot of sense from the fact that when you talk about an action workflow with your script that someone's reading, to be able to also apply those uh, uh, bot models, if you will, to the conversation and things that are taking place, that a person that's actually engaging with a, a, a customer may not be able to make all those kind of decisions real time like that. So having yeah. both that person provide the, the personal uh, experience uh, yeah. as well as that on, that AI tool processing in line with you and giving you that next best action when, you know, you're not really going to make them happy at this point, for example, but we can offer this, this, and this, try this real quick uh, is, is amazing. And, and I, I found it funny that you mentioned that people learn more or the AI learns more from the outliers because I have an outlier at my house, and whenever I get on an AI tool, it better work well, or I have to leave the room. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. No. Representative. Under Oh, oh man. It's called fast. Yeah. So that's, that's amazing how, that, how well that technology has improved. But according to some people that I know, that needs to improve more. Well, I, I hear you loud and clear. So, um, uh, all right, so, so let's take it back up again. All right, so we are BSS, right? But these are two critical components of particularly uh, whether it's on the enterprise side or on the telco side, right? Of of that front door, that that lipstick, the the way into it, right? And we're just we're the back office. And again, you know, I've heard Alvaro say, you know, hey, I'm I'm just a mirror of what's going on <laughs> down in here in your back office, brother. Don't don't yell at me because I'm I'm sending what you know I'm br I'm rungin' what you brung right. I, this is what's the information that's coming back out of the BSS. So um, and I, we've had arguments for twenty years 
right, about the CRM, you know, what really defines a CRM, right? What is the definition of it? And then uh, we've had uh, some some very solid practitioners that are BSS guys that have BSS-centric probably preferences to say, I can get you anything you want out of BSS, you know, that you want out of a CRM with the exception of, you know, prospect, you know, prospecting and campaign management. Mm -hmm. So it's been an interesting, it, it's an interesting, you know, trade-off, right? And, and I think a lot of, one of the things we've surfaced in other podcasts is that, you know, at a telco, you know, one of the three, CRM, BSS, or OSS, tends to be the master, right? In terms of system stack and, and process flows, et cetera, that either kind of take a network element approach or a customer centric customer experience approach with CRM or all the above. So it, I guess it all kind of just depends. And in the end, if I'm a, uh, if I'm an IT practitioner, or I'm an owner at a, at a telco, it's, it's orchestration, right? We're back to orchestration and it's about integration and and I hate to keep going back to the cliche of data, but data, all data, data, you know, on this side, data with Alvaro, data with the contact center, KPIs, monitoring, and, and and reporting off of all of that stuff. Sometimes it's massive volumes of data. Sometimes it's data about sentiment. is is really what it gets down to, and and that's been a, another recurring theme on our podcast is data mining. Right. And so whether that's AI mining of AI information or all across this entire spectrum, you know, it's all I do know is that you need the lipstick. You need the pretty boys, you know, like we've got here from Portugal and from Venezuela, Florida to help with that front door, Absolutely. just to bring in a better customer experience. Right. And that, that experience only happens if you can go left to right, right to left, all the way across from your your OSS, BSS, through your CRM, contact center experiences back and forth. If you have any gaps in those and that flow of that information and the management of that, you're not going to get all the results that you want out of it. But, you know, I would love to hear, we're kind of running out of time here, final thoughts from everybody on this notion of the CRMs and, and the things that you just want to get across to people and and uh, give a shout out to your companies. And, yeah, uh, yeah, man. And, and how they can reach out to you as well, and we'll add that to the to our, our links on the podcast. But uh, this has been a great conversation. So, Carlos, we'll start with you. What are your last thoughts? Okay, so uh, I would say we live now in a, a very interesting era for experimentation, in a sense that the technology is there. With cloud solutions, you don't need to invest upfront in servers and licenses. So just go and experiment. And a cool example, um, imagine you called a pizzeria and you ordered a pizza, okay? This is no contact center, but, but it's a, a situation. Now, if you call that pizzeria five minutes later, what are the chances? Are you maybe ordering another pizza, making a change to your order? But if you call 30 minutes later, most probably you're going to ask, where's my pizza? Mm -hmm. okay. So the intelligence is there. This is a very simple example in a pizzeria. Five minutes later, the next interaction might be a change to an order. Mm -hmm. But if it's 30 minutes later, it might be, where's my order? So why don't you adapt? Yeah. Make your contact center ready for this new generation. So, yeah. 
So evolve. Try, try some new things. Long. Try it. Evolve some and try some new things. Maybe not all the way, but but take some take some steps in it. All right. Exactly. And and where so where do you about own Alumin Group company yeah. and uh, and check out the guys at Janzies as well. There we go. All right. Thank you, Carlos. How about you? Well, my final so thoughts on CRM is that what's happening on CRM is what's been happening in every technology that we see. It's evolving, and it, and all, all the the pandemic made it evolve faster. We didn't talk about remoteness of agents. That's a big, big thing that's going on CRM right now, even in Latin America, that where we used to have big, big centers, but now they're being remote oh, yeah. and people are being trained remotely. People are being uh, executed remotely. So I think that's also something that, that we're going to look at. I think CRM, it's a beautiful, beautiful technology that it's going to be the face, as you said it, uh, the face of any system. Uh, and I think uh, we're on the right track for that platform to expand and be more useful to people and customers at the at the final uh, line is what these companies want, happy customers and returning customers uh, and make more money. Absolutely. And there you go. In terms of our company, yeah. we specialize in making whatever uh, any company wants to happen in CRM. And you can reach us at www.logoscorp.com. Yeah. And, and you guys are not just tech weenies. You're also kind of, you know, brand elements and kind of, Absolutely. you know, the cosmetics and, you know, the social media campaign, you know, consulting. So so they're really kind of a, a full suite, really, of, you know, customer touch points, right? So everything from strategy to look to feel to placement and all that kind of could be stuff. Exactly. So, very and, cool. And development. Of, of oh, yeah, they're development. developers. Absolutely. So, well, Brian, what do you think, man? Well, I think with uh, we've we've determined that in order for your face to look good, the foundation underneath it needs to be good, because there's only so much lipstick you can put on that. On the pig is what you're. Are you calling me a pig? Are you calling me a pig right now? I don't think I said that. <laughs> My next best action is to not answer that question. I'll avoid that and move on. So I, th I think you know from what I heard today. Uh, as the lines blur between contact centers and between the CRM packages, the call center, uh, that integration all the way across your BSS, OSS sphere into your front-facing customer experiences, you better, you better be nimble and you better be integratable between those things. That's where the experiences are moving towards. Our, our customers want to see these sort of things. So you've got options with AI and other techniques here. We didn't even touch across some of those items, such as uh, how you would be able to set some of this up quickly and, and sail fast, for example, if you if it really, you know, your first thought didn't turn out, but I've got cloud service now. Carlos brought that up a little bit with the uh, mm -hmm. the, the flexibility of, of installing pieces, trying it out, doing the incubators, uh, integrating that in. You can start that process with your with your systems today. And there's a number of companies that can help you move forward uh, yeah. with those with those particular tasks. So great information. I, I Good stuff, lads. That. All right, Good On stuff, guys. All right, man. Smart. One late. All right. Thank Happy you. Friday, man. And um, uh, KU, uh, I think is still playing basketball today. I'm not sure if K State is playing basketball today. They played TCU, I think, yesterday. Uh, was that a win or a, I can't I have no idea. I, all right, <laughs> all right, guys. All right, guys. All right, thanks again, man. Cheers. Have a great week, right? Your tea is no time. Yes. There you go. Thanks, gentlemen.